love the dress. Royal brides have to be Snow White. <laughs> when you see the future, there is irony everywhere. Welcome to Storybroke. Miserably ever after. I am sick of Zencaster. <laughs> and I am waiting for my camera to ruin this whole recording again. Elaine. Okay. How does my camera ruin a recording that we don't videotape? I don't know, but it did. <laughs> Elaine, we started trying to record this at nine o'clock. At it nine is o'clock now, sharp. It is nine forty-eight PM. <laughs> I've had it. I've had it. You know what I've had? What? It. 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 Okay, best moments in Drag Race history was, you know what I've had? It. It. <laughs> I can't wait to see how this turns out. And I bring my little, my tiny little opera glasses to my face. Oh, Lord. So we are on episode 38 of our show. This is, what episode is this of the season? Oh, I knew this question. five seconds ago. I have uh, it. I have it. It is season two, episode. episode... Say that again. 16. Look at you. Found it before I did. Season two, episode 16, The Miller's Daughter. Starring Rose McGowan. Starring Rose McGowan. And her just overall beauty. I really enjoy her. I know that that like she was like a problematic, according to some people, a few years back over some alleged some transphobia, and then like she came forward and apologized. And I'm like, I don't speak for everyone, but I forgive Rose McGowan. Like everyone's a little problematic if they try or don't um, try, you know? Yeah, like you could probably find me saying some dumb shit on Twitter in 2010. I've grown a lot. But yeah, I'm not the person I was 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Literally. I've transitioned. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for as much as a non-binary person who presents masculine <laughs> transitions. <laughs> it said uh, Rose McGowan activated both of our bi reflexes uh, in this episode. So that was fun. She's so gorgeous this episode. She looks oh, so God. she looks so amazing in this and she's acting her ass off. She's pristine. Yeah. The the talent they got for this show back when it came out shows you just how big a deal it was, I yes. guess. Especially yeah. in yeah, yeah, second season they were like, "Oh, yeah, I'm going to sign on with this show." Absolutely. And we've now we're now entering the final act of of this season. Like I would say that this episode is like our act three finale. Yeah. And we're about to start act four, the final, the final moments of the episode, the, yes. or the season, you know? Uh, how do we want to handle the basic plot today? Handle the basic plot. Uh, we could just read the synopsis off of, off of our good friends at the Storybrook Once Upon a Time wiki. Onceuponatime.fandom.com. Onceuponatime.fandom.com, yes. All right, here is uh, the fandom.com synopsis. Cora's desire to rid herself of Rumpelstiltskin in order to take his place as the Dark One takes one step closer to becoming reality as she and Regina try to overpower a dying Mr. Gold. And Mary Margaret is once again tempted by dark magic. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, Rumpelstiltskin agrees to offer his services to a younger Cora. 
for a price. When the king calls her bluff and orders her to actually follow through on her boast of being able to spin straw into gold. <sighs> Cold reading. Yeah. Which, I, you know, is it kind of fucked up that we make kids do that? I'm sorry. Is it kind of messed up <laughs> that we make kids do that? Do which? Read out loud to their oh, peers. Oh, yeah. Like, it's such a great exercise for, like, learning how to read and reading better. But, like, now that I'm, you know, reading for audiobooks and I'm having to, like, take, like, multiple takes and I'm looking at, like, you know, we do this podcast where Elaine and I do cold reads and stuff all the time. And it's, like, that is stressful. This is a straight-up <laughs> skill. And I we make children do it. <laughs> the only reason I'm I'm even remotely good at cold reading is because I enjoy reading reading out loud to people. And uh, I had to do auditions for a while, and cold reads were better than monologues to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I think um, one of my one of my skills in school was good with I cold reading. I don't have dyslexia. <laughs> yeah, I don't have dyslexia. I have dyscalculia. I have a little of that too. Um, which is why I really need to do the taxes for my business. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I struggle with that in school. But reading was always something, you know, I didn't really have a hard time with. Now as an adult, I'm like, I imagine that for kids who are not strong readers, how that's like goddamn stressful. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how much of that can exacerbate a student's um, dyslexia if they have it or, you know, just just general like reading struggles. It adds the anxiety element to it. Yeah. Um, (sighs) Yeah. Anything is better without the anxiety element. That's my hot take. That's What's my that blistering like? take. I I don't know, but I'm now <laughs> on uh, I'm now on new medication, Yay. which has made me so, so much more outgoing. We're weaning me off the old medication, and then we're going to be adding a, a mood stabilizer to the mix. So hoo-hoo. we'll Ooh. see what happens. I am still um, untreated for my uh recently diagnosed uh attention deficit problems um and you know i've come out of the postpartum anxiety part of it but the regular anxiety is still around (laughs) untreated for that too so i'm just uh as as some beautiful person once said raw dogging life um am i not allowed to say reality am i not allowed to say that no i love it oh good just barebacking in reality like yes. i can't it's too much i'm just um, i'm i'm right on i'm right on life without any protection whatsoever speaking of um how we get through life uh i'm on a handy delicious uh polar seltzer cranberry lime what have you got there elaine oh this is a uh key lime le ah I think we were able to record like one episode super wine drunk, which I think was the original plan for the show was every episode. <laughs> and then you got pregnant and I got sober. So. <laughs> yeah. We may have done the first, we never got like drunk, drunk. Well, I did. No, no, I, I never. Got, like, we, drunk, we, drunk. we would like share a bottle of wine or we would share a couple glasses of box wine, but we never got like messy doing this show. Yeah. We didn't have time. I got pregnant too fast. Well, I do, like, I'll do, like, an edible here and there, which, you know. Meh. But <laughs> it's, like, Meh. a measured five milligram. My, my mom does edibles. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but speaking of speaking of uh, things that alter your perception, this episode, 
I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the good mood I'm in today, but I felt like this was just really strong all around. The acting in this one is exceptional. And like, yeah, we had some things that like, as we were watching it, we were like, oh my God. But that means we were, we were involved as we watched it. Um, This one has the problem of the protagonists, whether they're the good guy protagonists or the bad guy protagonists are too easily manipulated once again. Yeah. Uh, by people they do not trust. So it's not like, oh, I trust this person. They're easily, they can easily manipulate me. They just do not trust these people. And yet these people have so much sway over them. Wait, are we saying that um, Rumple in the past storyline is your protagonist? Because he's the one that gets No, no, I was talking about Regina and her mom. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Regina and her mom. Oh, no, no, no. He, the, I have other things to say about the manipulating Rumple tactic. I, <laughs> that's a whole conversation. Cora is a master manipulator, as we see in this episode. And that, on one hand, is kind of a plot hole in terms of, like, where does that come from? Yeah, she's been taking care of her drunk father and running his business. So you think that she'd have more savvy with how to react around nobles, even if she's having a crap day? Uh you'd think she'd have more survival skills than to immediately talk back and start demeaning people who obviously could have her killed. Yeah. She has has no survival skills. And yet she's this master manipulator who always has a witty comeback and knows how to outwit the wittiest. Honestly, I'm a fan of it. I mean, it's great, but as I was, as I said, while we were watching it, does this set up the argument that some evil is innate? Not evil, yeah. but the, but the, um, what is the word? Oh God. The, it's like possibility, but it goes with the innate. Oh, um, predestined. I forgot, I forgot a word. No, it's like you have the ability to be evil inside you all along. It's whether you choose to or not. And they go, it's, they touch on this, the whole thing. Oh, oh but, yeah. But with her, her craftiness is innate. Like the way that she feels about the nobility and being treated like a poor person, that's upbringing. But her manipulation tactics and her craftiness are something she has on her own just within her that have no explanation for why right. she is the way she is. So the, we, we briefly touched on it while we were watching it was the, the ability for that innate evil to be in there like you don't have to have anything that actually caused you to have those skills it's just pre-programmed yeah um and and yeah she has a terrible backstory that you said while she was talking about it seemed justified i disagree but um (laughs) the level she took it to was not justified the way that we see which i think it was kind of shitty we're just going to get the explicit tag at this point. I think it was kind of shitty. We see early on that Eva, Snow oh, White. Princess Eva is a bitch. Yeah, trips yeah. her for no reason. And I forgot. Movie, I forgot that that was that was supposed to be Snow White's mom in the beginning. Supposed to be Snow White's mom. And this is what bothers me about this whole scene. It shouldn't have been. Yeah, I agree. I feel like they're trying to set it up of like, oh, well, this is why she does what she does to Snow White's mom. But I feel like her hunger for power that we see being built up in this episode was more than enough to justify her doing what she later does to Snow's mom. I mean, yeah. yeah, All that does is undermine Snow White's mother's character. Yes. 
and introduce some confusion at the beginning of the plot, where this could have just been any random noblewoman or even the king himself. Yes. Yes, I agree. Even the king himself accidentally tripping her and not doing it maliciously. Yeah, it made no sense. I mean, I understand that some people were much crappier in their youth than they grew up to be, especially once they had children. Um, but like I said, rewatching it until you said it now, I had completely forgotten that was supposed to be the same person. That's supposed to be Ava. And it makes no sense <clears throat> because we've never we've never seen Ava behave that way. Now we have seen Snow behave that way. Yeah. In the previous episode. And, but and we Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, now, and if we had had Ava around for the rest of this one, and she comes around to the era of her ways, then, okay, we learned something. We have something developing. It rhymes of, oh, we learned this is why Ava learns this lesson, because she feels bad for treating Cora this way. Is that a cat? That's Lilla. Lilla. You know, it rhymes. Yeah. But they didn't do that. They just kind of left it hanging there, which is... I don't know. It's disappointing. It doesn't seem to have much purpose beyond to make us go, Ava's there. Oh, oh, now it makes sense as to why she had this vendetta get her. Yes, we get, wow, I just said something that wasn't a word at all. Uh, She had a vendetta against her because, oh, she tripped her once. So that makes sense as to why she killed her. Because this family, uh, it's inherited that they hold death grudges for (laughs) slights. Yes. Um, yes. It's just, I don't know. It, it, it was the, the one moment in this episode, it's at right off the top, where I'm just like, it's a little much. Also, you ruined my shoes, girl. It's flour. Chill. It's flour. Get a grip. It's, You're it not will, even around a puddle. That's the only way it can be gross. It will dust off mm-hmm. so quickly. Calm down. Oh, yeah. Uh, just, mm. You ruined <sighs> my shoes. And, and like I said. They're not even that if, great of shoes. The the way that they wrote her as unapologetic, I get where they were going with making her unapologetic, but again, she would not have survived that long. Yeah. Maybe this was the first time she was delivering for her father since he was blackout drunk, and she just didn't normally deliver. Yeah, if we establish, like, you don't w- normally want me doing that because of my supposedly sharp tongue. You yeah. Know, like, something like that. Like she, th- she spends the whole time just like cursing everyone out as much as ABC will allow. Yeah, and man, she's got a mouth on her for ABC. <laughs> she said, she said, whoring your son out, and we both went, oh. I was like, damn. Also, are we acknowledging that you Pimps know exist? I was going to say, are we acknowledging men's sexuality as something that can be, um, bought. I'm trying to think how to phrase this, bought sold. and sold? sold. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, are, so there we are, go. Are we, are we saying that men can consent to sex and can also not consent? <laughs> <laughs> not on this show. That's <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. Only a villain would believe that. Which, knowing what we know now, uh, really weird to have Rose McGowan being the one delivering these lines. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of the backlash. I remember that it happened. I don't remember. Ro- Rose McGowan was one of the ones who broke the, the Me Too story about oh, yeah, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. So, like, knowing what we know now, it's kind of wild that uh, she would be the character who we are seeing 
engaging in a relationship where consent is dubious. Well, he's... I feel like he's, he, he's, he's, can, he's consenting because he's Henry and he does whatever people tell him to do. That's his whole character. Yeah. Unfortunately, which is makes me sadder for Henry, the character. Uh, fa- Father Henry, Prince Henry, not little Henry. Um, he big gets, Henry, not little Henry. He spends his life in a loveless marriage only to have his daughter murder him. Yeah, without his consent. Even though he was just like, do whatever you got to do. No, he sort of consented to that, too. He no. was just asking her not to. You can, but don't. Cishet men can be Which bot- is, again, it's not enthusiastic <laughs> consent, so it doesn't count. I, I don't know. I there, there's I think it's more of like he's just that self-sacrificing, which is... I kind of want to know why he's like that. Is he just like that, or is there like well, something... Well, he's fifth in line. He, he's fifth he in line. Care. He has to do yeah. whatever. He does has no power. He has to do yeah. whatever he's told. Um, his job is to make connections through marriage. Right. He's basically a princess. Which, with all these people being called King This and King That, I mean, technically they would be... Then technically... Regina would be the empress, not the queen. I don't know. Sorry. It's weird. It's weird. I don't know. It depends on who she married, right? Because these, these should be like lesser nobility, like dukes or some shit. I They're don't know. all kings of different regions, but it's like the smallest parts of Europe where you like ride a bike and you're in a new country. Right. I don't actually, I've never been to Europe, so don't at me. Hi. Um, if you're one of our English fans, sorry, we... Um, we don't really understand birthright nobility. We fought a war over it or some shit. Yeah, we really have no idea how it works. I'm so sorry. I've got the loosest understanding. Sorry. I've got the loosest understanding from a terrible source, which is Game of Thrones. I can <laughs> I can see some of our listeners actually are from the UK, so you can you can chime in to explain this. But I'm sorry. I do not understand your Disney-ass governmental structure. I feel like the most, in in respect to that, the most offensive thing that Regina said to these nobles, not Regina, Cora said to these nobles, was when she announced the name of the baby. And it's like, her name is Regina, which means queen. um, Because one day she will be queen. I'm like, she's what in line to the throne? Now you're just telling them you're going to kill them all. Yeah. And they were all like, yay. Oh, that's so nice and cute. I was like, no, she just threatened all your lives. Or, you know, she's going to marry into the royal line later down the road, which someone who's fifth in line's daughter marrying the crown. Yeah. It's that, yeah. That's how we got the Habsburg chin. Like, oh, yeah. I know about those. I I know about the Habsburgs. I have listened to podcasts. Sorry, I'm full of kind of like blisteringly mean-spirited takes about the monarchy today, I guess. I don't really care. You Um, know what it is? It's summer. All the red, white, and blue stuff has come out. It's in your blood. It's Wrath Month, y'all, and I'm getting (laughs) real American. (laughs) Like, it's not July yet, but it's pre-July, and it's hot enough to be July already, so... Um, unless I am reading the uh, fantastic uh, Casey McQuiston book, which is Red, White, and Royal Blue. It took me a second to remember the name. Um, I don't really care about royal shit. <laughs> Period. Mads. People are going to unfollow. They're not going to unfollow you. No They'll unfollow, unfollow me because you're more entertaining. <laughs> you're more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, our, our A plot is really the, the backstory this episode. Like, the, the, the storyline this episode is really more focused on 
the Miller's daughter. So meanwhile, our B plot in Storybrooke is everyone racing back to bring Rumpelstiltskin home so that they can use magic to save him. And Cora finally says the quiet parts out loud um, to her daughter, which is, oh, well, I mean, wouldn't it just make sense for me to kill Rumpelstiltskin with this dagger that we have so that I become the dark one? Because it's been her plan all along, obviously, but Regina is floored. Yeah, Regina's like, this is this is rehearsed, mother. Like, even I can see through this. Finally, took you long enough. I mean, the whole time, the whole time she was trying to get the dagger, I was just like, come on. It's not, <laughs> um, I don't like how easily manipulated our strong female characters are in general yeah. in this whole uh, arc. Some things I do like it, in this episode is that by having Hook killing Rumpelstiltskin, going against Korra and Regina's plans, or trying to kill Rumpelstiltskin, doing his own yeah, thing. Almost and, killing Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin being kind of a series villain, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's helping to set Hook up more as a anti-hero. Oh, yeah. Which we need him to be for season three, because by this point in season two, we've decided, yes, we're keeping Hook around. We know what we're going to do with him now. Awesome. Great. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've just brought this other guy back, so that throws a wrench in the hole. <laughs> no, it's not unfortunate, it, because like now we can have a love triangle instead <laughs> of just having to focus on Regina and Emma hating each other. Have I mentioned how much I don't like most love triangles? Because I usually end up liking the one that they don't want the character to end up with. And maybe, I mean, the, maybe the only time it has gone the way I wanted it to is Hunger Games. I mean, you know who I want Emma to wind up with. Well, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, obviously. They're my OTP. Like, like, yeah. sorry. Like, Neil, you, you have a, you, you're, you're dating um, Captain Michael Burnham. And. <laughs> Neil, Neil, uh, you know, uh, what is this? Emma is to Buffy. For me, Emma is to Buffy as Neil is to Angel. Like that's. Okay. That's how I That's am. Like you want them to be together. I want them to be together because their breakup was a big misunderstanding and it was actually very sweet and shit. And they were obviously meant to be together because of all these magical forces. So it makes, that's where I am with it. I was very mad when, when they decided to keep hook around. Because that makes hook Emma fans. That, that makes them spuffy stands. Yeah. Well, no, don't put that curse on them. <laughs> no, no, Hook's way better than Spike. Like comic Hook Spike is, is more like... tolerable than Spike. I like Hook. I do like Hook, but at this point, at this point, whenever all of that started, I was like, no. Yeah. That's that's future episodes. We'll get to it later. But um, oh. he's just been creepy, flirty this whole time. So really, there's not been appeal for me. Yeah, he's just been kind of a dirty dude. He's been because creepy, flirty. You know what set, rem- set up initially as a villain to be written yeah. off. You know what it reminds me of? Is every flirtation scene between Korra and Rumpelstiltskin in the past in this episode. It's just squicky. It's it's icky. See, I don't mind the hook stuff because to me it reads like a romance novel. Where yeah. sometimes in a romance novel you have one of the characters being flirtatious and squicky because they're supposed to be 
gross at first. You're supposed to not like them. They're supposed to not like each other. And then it turns into, he was actually only doing that for blah, blah, blah reasons. You know, I've read all of the Bridgerton books, right? I know how this goes. Not just the main core Bridgerton books, all of the tertiary other families books that I could find on audiobook. So I know how, I know how a romance novel goes. Thanks. Like I know how a romance novel do. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for them explaining romance to me. (laughs) Fair. I love you. Uh, But yeah, I, I want to point back at the gross scenes because they really stand out in my head because when we took a break from podcasting a couple of years ago because I had a baby, mm-hmm. um, my husband and I, while we were having all of our witching hour, crazy non-sleep nights, we stayed up watching. We binged once upon a time and we stopped like season five or six or something because we just had to. It got weird. We had to take a break. Um And I remember being very sleep deprived, both of us very awake, and watching my husband squirm in disgust every time. Because it would go from like normal conversation to them like leering and touching each other. And it just grossed us both. It's really gross. The the way, like these two actors are fantastic. These two actors are brilliant. But all of their like flirtatious, like, falling in love scenes are some of the squickiest things on ABC. So gross. It's, and it's, it's, uh, it's the age gap. It's, it's gross. It's the power gap. It's the age gap. It's the, um, fact that he's kind of repulsive. It's the fact that neither of them feels like they're being honest in this situation. Oh God, neither of them seemed like it at all. Yeah. Until the very end, it's like, oh, maybe Rumpel actually was sort of a not just, eh. But still gross. Still gross. And I mean, this sets up his distrust in women later. Yeah. Um, his his non-belief in the concept of love I mean, later. he's already murdered his wife at this point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She did. I think this more just backs more. it up. Yeah, I think more and more as the show is going to try to like make us feel bad for Rumpelstiltskin, like they're going to try and do during the episode Lacey, we should remind ourselves that he murdered his wife. Yes. <laughs> Just, we, we have to remember that we, we can't feel too sorry for a man who got his ultimate revenge and murdered his wife. Yes. For leaving him. So he killed her. Yes. And has no remorse about it. Zero. Zero remorse. And his son is being brought in, and we're going to have to... Does oh, yeah, Neil we know? We haven't had that talk yet. Um, I'm, Yeah, like, we haven't had the talk of... I, I don't remember if and when that happens. If the talk of, hey, what happened to mom? I, well, I he, think... He told her she ran off with pirates, right? Or something. I forgot what he told her. But we're going to learn later. Or she was kidnapped. We're going to learn later about Neil. Mm -hmm. And Neil spent a lot of time with Hook. Just minor spoilers. And I'm wondering if they have that conversation when that happens. Or if we'll see that happen in adult in real time. I I think we do. Looking forward to it. Please look forward to the father and son discussion of, did you kill mom? 
<laughs> hey, I'm glad I got you here. I want to have a serious conversation. Sit down. Um, you know, light conversation. Just uh, close the door. Please lock it. Thank you. Did you kill our mo- yeah. my mother? <laughs> Speaking of episode sins, um, the green screen. No, was, I'm, I'm, it uh, was particularly rough this episode. I mean, you know, it, it's uh, building a castle from scratch is yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. work in styrofoam. It's bad for the environment overall. So this, let's use this castle because we see it so infrequently that it's okay that it gets reused. Also, yeah. this area probably only has one architect, so it's fine. I, I will say that the second we left the wide establishing shots and went into those tight character moments, I stopped caring about how bad the uh, the set looked. Yeah. The so CGI set looked. The, the very first thing Mad said when the episode opened was, is that a CGI windmill? <laughs> yes. And I was like, well, that's a CGI background. And so it was a CGI both, which is fine. Yeah. You know, what you got the budget for, you got the budget for. Uh, the the prop department was doing its doing a great job. They bought out all of the gold cord from the craft store and made it look good. Yeah. It was obviously the, craft cord, but that's because I'm crafty. The, and I was a props person. The props department did a lot this episode with some gold thread, some glitter, and some cheapo Mardi Gras masks. They did a great job. They did oh, the costuming department job. was on like, it today. Because <sighs> some of those masks looked fantastic. You oh, can yeah. see in the background some of them were rough. But for the most part, everything we saw in close-up looked <laughs> really good. Look, you can get some nice-looking Mardi Gras masks just at the market. Like, yeah. At the French market, you just walk down the street in the open air market, and there's some. I have a beautiful one that I just bought on a whim. Yeah, and it wasn't even one of the expensive ones, and it's gorgeous. Looks, it looks great. <laughs> um, we have like a brief moment uh, at the beginning of the episode. I also wanted to talk about. I'm, I keep backpedaling a bit, no, but we kind of move past it. Do what you want. Uh, we don't use notes anymore, folks. Yeah, we're flying, but we're flying blind. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about how. On the boat, Emma says, you're Henry's grandfather. We're yes. family now. We're family now. I'm going to save you. Because she's the savior. Oh, that's her whole job. Now, here's what I hate about this. Because <laughs> I have to. Because oh. I think that that's something that he takes to weaponize. Instead yes. of taking that as the opening that it should be if he were a good character who actually wanted to be redeemed in any kind of way, instead he uses it five minutes later to give us a C plot, which is Snow White is going to kill Regina's mom. She's going to kill Cora. And he says, Oh, Oh, so you're going to be, he basically says, if you don't go kill Cora to save my life, you're responsible for killing me. You're responsible for killing Henry's grandfather like like it's her fault he got stabbed yeah like all of a sudden he shifts all the blame again shifts all the blame off the person whose fault it actually is and puts it on snow white well to be this fair this happens to her a lot to be fair the frequency with which rumpelstiltskin is able to manipulate people into blaming the person he weaponizes instead of the actual person responsible it's got to be some kind of magic at this point yeah. Because oh, no, he fucking does it so regularly. He does it twice this episode. Mm-hmm. Three times this episode. Like, it's like, like he's got a superpower to uh, make make um, 
uh, blame not hit him. I feel like it is possible to have a sincere moment, but also know that that sincere moment benefits you elsewhere. Yeah. Like you were saying that whenever he called Bill, that that was all for Neil and uh, Emma's benefit to make them feel bad for him. Yeah. But I also think he was sincere about telling Bill why he was in love with her, mm-hmm. even though it's gross. Uh, <laughs> um, Sorry. It's, it's, it's possible to do a thing sincerely, but still know you'll benefit from it elsewhere. Okay. Fair. I just, just um, the 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 more time I spend looking at Rumple skills, skill, Rumple, the more time I spend looking at floppy foreskin, the the less I have any sympathy for him. He's a terrible person. He's not great. No, he's not great. Bell deserves better. I I do think it was interesting that that was the real dagger because I didn't remember that being the real dagger. I thought it was like a dummy dagger. Oh, no, no, no. They got it in the library and then there was like all this whole thing. Yeah. And then they threw a lady out the window. Yeah, they defenestrated her. Defenestrated. Straight up Um, defenestrated this poor sweet lady. Yeah. Who was only, you know, it's it's been a little while since I watched the previous episode. Oh, you Uh, had issues with that. (laughs) I had some episodes so so it does make a little more sense as to why uh snow was on team gonna kill a bitch yeah um because court did just murder someone she cared about like the last person the last person from her actual household yeah that she had alive yeah who she had just found like two seconds ago Uh, do we want to talk about david and mary margaret Yes, I actually yeah. I really like this. Uh, I've compl- you want to you want to start it or no? You go. You have something I to say. I, I've complained a little bit about how I don't get why it's such a big deal if Snow White kills someone, but I it clicked for me finally on this watch of oh, it's not you know bad just if she kills someone. It's like how it's going to affect her that she does not really have that in her. Yeah, and. Dave and and so it's not like she can't David's cope with the man, it. so he can kill. It's he he can if he has to, mm-hmm. and he's willing to do that for her, so she can have that peace. He'll take on that burden for her. And honestly, I'm like, oh, like yeah. this is where I'm like, okay, like I can see it. I see like, I see it. I like this. Like, wow. Yeah, he is there to protect her heart because he knows that if she goes through with this she will just completely black, basically black hole herself. Like she will be stuck dwelling on the fact that she did this horrible thing, regretting it, trying, going back on her head, figuring out how she could have stopped herself from doing it. Um, He knows the turmoil will cause within her. And so he would rather do it for himself. And that way she's just like, well, it's done. And we had to do what we had to do because she didn't do it. I don't know. Which, that was a bad way to explain it. It makes it sound flippant, and I'm not trying to be flippant. Yeah, which we'll see the after effects of this as the season goes on. I mean, for the rest of the season, uh, Mary Margaret is actually sitting wearing sweatpants in a chair, looking out the window, and eating they melted just, ice cream out of a carton. They just rotate the camera around her, and it'll just say the month. Oh yeah, yeah. Where this affects her. That's a different Snow White. Oh okay. <laughs> 
That was a different Snow White. In fact, a different role played by a different Snow White. Oh, okay. Sorry. White people kind of all. This is a better love story than Twilight. Okay. I have face blindness when it comes Thank to you. Waiting. Thank you, everyone. That's me. That's my time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tip your waiter. I tip your waiter. Oh, no. But, uh, I don't know. I keep thinking about what's really important when we get to it this episode. We're going to have to have a long discussion about the fashion of it. <laughs> yes. Because there yes. were so many good looks this episode. It's, it's like they like, we got Rose McGowan budget. We have to dress Rose McGowan. She looks Exquisitely. incredible in everything she wears. Her hair looks amazing. I mean, they put her in three costumes, four costumes, five costumes, yeah. five. Co- huh. So she had her Miller's outfit, her rags. She had her red dress. She had her wedding dress. <clears throat> she, she had, had that, uh, that knitted crocheted white thing that lo- the way that the, the type of yarn it was from a distance, it looked like it was pearl drenched, but it was just yeah. like, the texture of the yarn and then was was she wearing her wedding dress for the queen for the christening i think she was she was wearing the same gown no no because it was silvery oh okay so she had five dresses and whatever she threw on like her cloak that she wore to go speak with rumple like they gave her several costumes maybe six yeah uh all of which looked incredible Mm -hmm. um god every time she walked in in a new outfit we were like oh this one, this is a woman who can wear red, right? Oh and my god! Her makeup, like I'm gonna post this screen cap of this episode when we finish recording, just to say, hey, guess what's coming up? Um, and her makeup is so good when she goes to this party. This is what I was talking about last episode when I was talking about Cora's lip, where if you look at this makeup that they put on Rose McGowan in the first scene we see her in, it's very smeary. Um, because she's, you know, supposed to be like poor, blah, 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 blah. But then when she goes to this party, it is a crisp, fine line where we're wearing like a candy apple red and they've overdrawn her lips to pull them back. They've Absolutely stunning. They've uh, gently like, jokered her just a little bit in the corners. Yeah, but I'm just like, where has this MUA been all season? Because this looks amazing. Like, she might have brought her own. She might have brought her own. Because she she looks incredible. Like, she looks it, so good. Like, I mean, just like the artistry of that lip. Like, that is hard to do. And she wears it and keeps it through incredibly emotional scenes. It stays on through her having to kiss a man that is covered, covered in gold, gold scabs. Yeah. yeah. He just looks like a big scab. He does. And that's that <sighs> makes sense because the magic is like a wound and the gold is it scabbing over and closing around him and hardening his skin and his soul. So the the gold of Mr. Gold, um, all of our, our rum bell shippers, you should know that all of that is scab. <laughs> He's just a scab. <laughs> Speaking of scab, support the writer's strike. Don't don't consume AI-generated media. Um, back to our episode. I have been hiding all AI-generated media on my Facebook page. That's the best I can do, other than telling people I'm also doing it. Yeah, same with Twitter. And I'm not buying books with AI-generated covers when I can help it. Though there is a really interesting case going on that I'm going to go down the rabbit hole on if I get into it. So I won't. We're not going to go into it because we still have things to talk about. Right. Um, so, oh, God. Oh, what was it? Mm. I lost it. We were talking about makeup. We were talking about Rose McGowan's amazing red dress. It was a good one. Where is it? Uh, Rumpelstiltskin's made of pus. (laughs) 
Gross. <laughs> uh, Belle still has no personality. Um, when we see when we see Rumpelstiltskin call Belle in that scene, yeah, we did we touched on that, but let's get into that. Like, I feel like a lot of this is being done for his own benefit. Yeah, that's fair. He's he's not trying to help Belle by telling her who she really was. He's saying that because he wants to feel like he's doing something. Oh, he's it's loudly in front of Neil. So, mm-hmm. Sorry. So no, Neil... no, you're right. It's the I... repentance of a dying man trying to get into heaven as a last ditch effort. We talk. <laughs> it's yeah. It's the getting saved or doing your confession on your deathbed, and I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't fucks with it. We have two of those this episode. Yep. We have two people coming to the light right before death and admitting, you know, talking to someone they loved and admitting it. Um, in one case, it falls on, you know, not deaf ears because she can hear, but she has n- no idea. Uh, right. She just knows this is a guy who has harassed her since she woke up in the hospital or woke up on the side of the road. And here he is calling her uncomfortably while dying. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not a fan of this the noble sacrifice trope, and I'm not a fan of the deathbed repentance trope in this I, kind of media. It, it's because you grew up in Catholicism. Yeah, like <laughs> the suffering is the point, and then after the suffering is the guilt. You know, yeah. which is why anytime I feel a moment of happiness, I'm like, is, am I allowed? Yeah. Is it an anxiety disorder or is it Catholicism? <laughs> why not both? Forget all of those. <laughs> It could, go, it could go either way. It could go, it's both. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, you know? Oh, God. No, my, uh, I uh, I saw my mom this week, and she was like, I wonder if, you know, like, if you're like this because of your dad, you know, maybe it's not just, like, your brain chemistry. And I was like, it could be both, Ma. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they certainly didn't help each other. <laughs> like, it could be two things. Two things can be true. There's one more thing I want to talk about. Um, we MS really haven't touched much on Mary Margaret actually doing the thing. No, we haven't. Um, I, I, I understand that she has reached like a tipping point because she has recently had someone she cared about once again murdered in front of her. She's just found out that this person murdered her mother and then watched them murder the person closest to her mother that she had remaining. So she's kind of at her wits end. Um, and I sort of, and, I, and there's the bit about like, uh, Rumple being Henry's grandfather. Yeah. That guilt's thrown on her. The part of all of this that became, that broke the believability for me and that she'd actually do it was when Regina finds her in the vault, holding her mother's heart. And she all of a sudden, without any hesitation or shakiness, has a whole story and how she's like, oh, I brought this to you so you can finally feel your mother's love. You should go put your heart in your mother and see how she really feels. And then you can start a real family for Henry. Yeah. Like all of a sudden she has this whole manipulative story. Like, I mean, I'm trained in improv. I can believe she can be on her feet. No, I believe she can. I believe that too, but I can't believe she'd be. You were saying you think this this is actually what blackened her heart, not the actual killing. Yes. Like, and that's what I was going to get into. Like, I think she can think on her feet, but I don't think it's like she did a kill. 
you know, I don't think it's that. I think it's a, what did I write to you? Like I said, I, I think it has to do with manipulating someone who was abused. Yes. Using their weakness that has come from that abuse that she is aware of. Mm-hmm. And using that to manipulate someone and to manipulate that person into killing her own mother. Yeah. Like, if if this were an antagonist doing this to a protagonist character, we would consider it unforgivable. This yeah. would be a monstrous act. So this, but, this yeah, this makes yeah. sense as to why she's got darkness on her heart after this. Like, like yeah, I think that she's, she's, and I mean, she's immediately horrified at what she's done. Yeah, and she's too slow to stop it. Yes. But, I mean, she full-on blue screens before it even happens. Yeah. You were calling a different moment in the show a Lady Macbeth moment, and I actually disagreed and called her breaking down immediately after handing the box over. Yes. More of a Lady Macbeth moment, because she has done the bad thing, and now she is losing her sanity for it. Yes. She has, you know, cursed her husband and gone in and killed the king herself, and is is washing the blood off her own hands and she's like I'm fine with this and like now we're gonna watch Snow White wandering the halls saying that her hands can never become clean again Mm -hmm. and you know yeah yeah so (laughs) that's I've only been in one abridged version of uh, Macbeth but that's my understanding of it Uh, I know we're not supposed to say the Scottish play much but we're not um, on stage we're not on stage we're not um, in a theater it's my second favorite Shakespeare like it's 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 such a it's such a complex and interesting story to me and I love that whole show I was cast as the comic the one comic relief in the whole show so I have mixed opinions I remember I was was typecast (laughs) I want to see another rendition of that show but instead of like them like Atiana was amazing I didn't get to see it Atiana was brilliant as Lady Macbeth I, I just want when they have the trees coming in because they've like sawed down the woods and are moving forward. I want it to instead be those tree monsters from Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Because I've been playing too much of that and every single time they still manage to jump scare me. I want them to be the, the tree monsters from Earthbound that sneak up and then explode whenever you killing blow them. Oh um, my god killing strike them and explode and try to take you down with them because those things scare the crap out of me I've been <laughs> every playing... time i see a moving shrub i run oh god no in, in uh, tears of the kingdom now there's trees that look like regular trees but then when you get close to them they hop out of the ground and they come at you on their little their little roots mm-hmm. i can't cope with them they mm-hmm. scare the hell out of me but i want to go back to this moment Sorry. real quick ADD. because not only there's reasons why Regina trusts Mary Margaret for it. It's because Mary Margaret is the sweetest, most kind natured person in town. She never suspected that she could have done anything. She never would have suspected Snow White to, to do have that. something malicious in her. Um, and so there was a moment where you see Cora reacting right as she's about to stab Rumpelstiltskin and become the dark one. She, flinches and you see this moment as Regina is revealed behind her where she's just got this look of like I did it I did something right today um, hope and there they have this like five second real you see a real smile from, from both, both of them. them yeah 
um, where they see each other and recognize each other for any of the good moments that they may have had. Um, and then we have the second repentance before death, which was her realization that having her heart and just having her daughter would have been enough for her. She didn't need all the power in the first place. Oh, that's gut-wrenching. And so it makes sense that any positive uh, progress Regina has made on the not being vindictive, um, wanting revenge, it makes sense in that moment that it's gone. Yeah, like... Because she trusted Snow White. If these roles were reversed, we would say that 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 Regina is totally justified in hating and trying to kill Snow White now. From this point. From this point forward, yeah. From this point. From this point, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like what Snow White did is horrible. Mm-hmm. Like that that is absolutely horrible. And don't get me wrong, the actress is great, but man, I was so glad to not have Cora in this season anymore. Yeah. Now. Oh, she's so tired. <laughs> Let's let's pretend we live in a world where this is how Cora's story ends. Isn't that a better world? Like I don't like a deathbed confession. I just said it, but isn't that a more interesting choice than if they were to like say bring her back? Do they bring her back, or we just see her in the afterworld or something trite like that? I think they bring her back. I mean, I mean, let's just uh, let's just say at least they don't spend a whole season in the afterworld talking to people who died and uh, getting them to forgive the person who killed them or anything like that. Mila. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Um, she didn't forgive. I don't remember. It's been a while. I didn't like that season. <laughs> Since, since, since we've uh, since since this our last episode, actually, there's a big YouTuber who's released a video on Once Upon a Time where he does a recap of I want to say like the first three ish about the first three seasons, and he touches on plot points that occur later down the road in the show, and like I'm really excited for what we're getting into because season three is my favorite season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the season three finale is the most the best rated episode of this show, um, and I'm kind of excited because this episode really does start to establish that storyline oh yeah no this is a great episode it's it's so strong there's so many interesting choices being made i'm just i'm so upset with what mary margaret does here and i she's she's upset here too like it it is against type but it was time for us to see something against type um yeah because it surprises her to uh show scares her straight yeah we see Emma using magic for real. It, I will say it was a more interesting choice. It was a more interesting choice to have Mary Margaret be the one who did it. Yes, absolutely. A much more interesting choice than anyone else. Believable. I don't like the way they got to it, but it was the more interesting choice. So I commend them for that. Yeah. Um, in, in Emma news, I wanted to talk about the very beginning of the episode. Oh, yes. Magic. Uh, once she does she does magic for the first time consciously because we've seen mm-hmm. her do magic but we haven't seen her do it like with intent you made a good point about what kind of magician she is yes uh, which i'll talk about but i want to talk about how henry leaves her which made me happy okay when when they kind of have their little talk and he's like it's okay i'll be safe but he doesn't seem to be dismissing her anymore he's talking to her you know he's not as upset at his mother. And I think that she needs that going into this battle. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy that 
that that's not going to be weighing on her mind going into this and going into the next story, like going forward. Like it's going to be, they're going to have to rebuild that trust. Yeah. But oh, that was like a relief because it was really upsetting me how rough things were between them. Mm-hmm. You know, because I love this kid. I don't want that one. I want him to have a good relationship with at least one of his moms. Right. Even when he's being a little shit, I still want the best for him. Yeah. Like the line from uh, what episode was it? Something, something, and it doesn't lie. Like, oh, God, I want that for you, kid. <laughs> that was Manhattan. The, you that mean, was the one Manhattan. where he found out that uh, Neil was his dad and he was alive after all. Yep. Um, our moment we have with. Oh, hi. Sorry. But yeah, our moment we have in the shop with Neil and uh, Emma, and she's doing magic, and he's just like. <laughs> You do magic? And she's just like, you got a problem. <laughs> Set up Rumble Tiltskin. I don't know. I, I'm enjoying her coming into her own as using magic. And the thing you want me to say is, uh, I love that she's a sorceress. Yes. She's a sorcerer. That's her class. as a, That's her role. Uh, because her magic comes from herself. And she's a charisma caster. <laughs> she's using her will. And she's using her, you know, her own emotion to channel this magic. And note that Rumpelstiltskin didn't need to didn't need to do a whole um, ghost sequence where he's helping her make a clay pot erotically. Yeah, uh, do that. We just didn't talk about that scene, oh, and God. I don't want to talk about that. I scene. I don't want to talk about. It, but there's a very it's gross. There's a Rumpel teaches Cora how to do magic in a very ghost way, and it's um, it's a sexual metaphor. Yeah, we don't we don't eat during this podcast for reasons. I would have spat my food out. It was gross. <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> like they're just talking and all of a sudden he's just like, I'm going to touch you. And we're like, oh, uh. I was like, uh, it comes no. out of nowhere. There's no chemistry between, there's no romantic chemistry between these two actors. No. Like they're just talking. They're two people who want power. They're just talking. And then a switch flips and they're being gross. Yeah. Now we do see everything we need to see about this character in this scene beforehand, mm-hmm. where when he says, yeah, I can do that. And she doesn't say, no, I don't want you to do it. I want you to teach me. Mm-hmm. You know, she sees that there's power to be had and it's within her grasp and she will take it without hesitation, without any thought to the consequences immediately and without without question. And that's what impresses him about her and that's why she's able to manipulate him yes um she manipulates him enough to get him to change the contract uh which she did not ask for no he just offered and did uh which not his smartest move i mean he doesn't make he doesn't make all the smart moves all the time right but definitely not one of his top 10 smart moves but like we see that scene happen in the episode we see her say teach me and then we see something later where emma had they've they've been battling and emma has a knife to regina's throat and uh neil's like which one are you gonna go for the knife or your daughter there is not a second of hesitation Hmm. even rumpelstiltskin struggled with like letting go of his son his hesitation is what had him lose his son she does not she was not afraid she went straight for that knife. And uh, I think that, you know, 
that uh, I think that uh, Regina needed to see that. Yeah, she didn't have her heart in her. That's also what um, helped her make the decision to get put her mom's heart back in her later was that decision was made by a heartless person. A person with a heart wouldn't do that. Yep. Um, there. Oh, there was one moment at the very it was the second scene that we see young Cora in where she just shows up at the ball in a beautiful dress and picks up a mask. And there she's gone from delivering flower to being exquisitely dressed for a ball and there's no explanation for it. I would have sort of loved to see a little plotting montage. I don't know. I'm just asking for more time. Um, and so then the king comes in and gives all the exposition about how it's an obviously stolen dress and how she's doing this and all, all the things that I wanted to know, but I wanted to see her do. Yeah. We just jump straight to the ball and she's got this gorgeous dress. And that's so she's a master at manipulating everyone, but this King. Yep. He sees right through her. Mm hmm. Every, every scene. (laughs) And I think like, had we maybe had more time with that character in this episode, we would have seen that from him. Like, I think that that's why he is okay with her marrying his son because Mm -hmm. he's like, okay, good. She's strong enough. She'll help us progress. She'll yeah. help us move up. Also, Commoner she, or not. Yeah. Also, she can make gold. Also, she can. I always love like in, in books when it's like, well, if you can just like make more gold, won't that devalue gold itself? We Only just, in their kingdom. Can we simply print more money? Only in their kingdom. In other kingdoms, maybe not. Uh, I want to hear a, I want to hear an, uh, an economist uh, an economist's take on what spinning straw into gold will do. <sighs> well, if you sit on it like a dragon, um, <laughs> nothing happens. Um, if you calculate up because they, they give specific amounts on how much gold Smaug had um, and how much gold that how much money that gold is worth, Smaug is like a broke ass bitch next to Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> well, um, who isn't? <laughs> which is why it's okay to call for the guillotine. Anywho. Um, <laughs> happy Pride Month. Sashay to the guillotine. I, I, that reminds me of a random um, listicle. Shante, let's slay. There's a listicle quiz. And it was one of those... Either depends on how you're looking at it. Unfortunate line breaks or fortunate line breaks, and the line break stopped at um, how something about eating rich people, and it was like, how many of these rich people have you eaten? But it was like rich people <laughs> foods. Oh God! I'm Love gonna that. go find. We're both gonna go find it. Ah, oh, yes. Um, if you'd eat more than 29 out of 42 of these rich people foods, you have a refined foods. palate. Nice. Um, <laughs> and that's basically how I feel about Jeff Bezos. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, just scrolling back through this real quickly to see if there's anything that we really wanted to talk about other than, like, once again, everyone in this. Sh- you've got some editing cut out for you. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I'm not going to yeah. reorder the episode. You can enjoy our chaotic episode because we are, on the bright side, recording in a timely manner. Woo! Hey. Um, no, I wanted uh, to say... Oh, go and, ahead. And we're not going to continue this conversation, but I would like to pat us, us to pat ourselves on the back for not mentioning how long it's been since we've recorded. Hey! Um, that's it. That's all you get. 
back to things we've said a lot of times. If we were ever to sell a shirt, it would be my therapist got his degree from a curse. <laughs> Why am I like this? Well, my therapist got his degree from a curse. Because everyone in this town needs therapy. And if they're going to it, which apparently only Henry is, it's not working. Secondary shirt. Uh, do you really trust medical advice from someone who got his, uh, his medical degree from an axe? Yeah. So, uh, where did you uh, where did you do your residency? Oh, I um the mines. I picked up a pickaxe. <laughs> called me Doc. And it called me Doc. <laughs> Jason, so- you, our dear friend, friend, friend of the show. I don't know if you're a listener though. Uh, Jason Penajal, uh, Doctor Penajal, how did you get your degree? <laughs> did you just like pick up a pickaxe? Did that work for you? I don't know, but he had to leave improv to do it. Like, you didn't have to quit doing comedy with this. Like, you could have simply gone into the mines. <laughs> you could have hatched from an egg and been handed an axe. If I were Jason. I mean, no one who listens to this knows who this is, but we have a friend of ours who used to do comedy with us who uh, quit comedy to go to med school, and now he's a doctor. I don't get it. Like, I wouldn't. I'm who doing improv great. improv for a lucrative medical career? <laughs> <laughs> I hope he still has that table book we made him that says that. <laughs> but importantly, most importantly about this episode, something we absolutely have to talk about is the looks. There are so many great outfits this episode. Regina comes in in this I, I screenshot her in it. She's got this like this this great tailored like um I don't know, peacoat material kind of coat, but it's got a leather oh. collar and it's cut like a leather jacket, like a biker jacket. Oh. It's like a wool jacket, but with a leather collar, looks great. Um, if Emma were a villain, like if she became the dark one somehow, I feel <laughs> like she crazy. could have a coat like this and it would look great. Yeah, yeah. If that ever happened, that'd be crazy. Right. I'm a sucker for a tailored black leather jacket. You are. I am, I am absolutely silly for it. Uh looks amazing Cora's hair in the scene when she's a peasant and her makeup her makeup is messy but so on point mm-hmm. and also like on point for like the character on point mm-hmm. for the role um, and her hair looks amazing and then she just looks amazing in every scene the red dress is gorgeous the detailing on it the way it shows off her back and shoulders mm-hmm. and arms because uh, Rose McGowan has like a dancer's body she looks incredible in this and this dress is so flattering for her because we've seen mm-hmm. some moments where it's like, that's a great dress, but maybe not for this character. I'm a fan of a pale skin and a bright red. She looks gorgeous. biased a little. <laughs> and it's not, it's not just color grading. Cause like we Mm-mm, know that no. these, the, <laughs> the production crew on this show is not always hey, um, hey, the best hey, with hey. color grading. Hey, green screens are hard. Okay. I watch a lot of Miss Rachel. I know that. I know. But I'm not. There's I'm not on ABC. There's sometimes you just have to turn off chroma key and work with a green screen. <laughs> Oof. Um, you pointed it out that her wedding dress, when she's talking about it being Snow White, is not Snow White. It's cream. I'm like, yeah, that's. <laughs> it's so pretty, but it's cream. That's the same color wedding dress my mom wore when she and my dad had their second <laughs> wedding where I was the ring bearer, um, which... That's foreshadowing. Yeah. 
It's and honestly, good for her. Um, Canonically, it's foreshadowing. That's true. Uh, that's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, did you catch the pun? I know we're talking about outfits right now, but did you catch yeah. the pun when Cora introduced herself? <clears throat> she said, I'm Cora. And he said, that sounds like something breaking. Cora means heart. Mm. It's foreshadowing. I see. For what she's going to do to him. What she's going to do to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we did the line at the beginning of the show about that. She said the dress was going to be Snow White just for the joke. Mm-hmm. So that Rumpelstiltskin can make the joke. But it was still yeah. a fun joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can only see so much when you can see the future. And none of it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Her wedding dress is gorgeous, though. It's gorgeous. It's, it's, Every. I mean, the costuming department and the props department killed it this episode. Like, I'm looking at it again now, and the beading on it is so impeccable. Mm-hmm. It looks amazing. The bottom is surprisingly simple, and it works. Yeah. And I think it's partially because, one, her hair is great, and it's two, she's big. got that, that beaded top that it yeah. really, it's it's balanced. Yeah. She, when she wears that kind of sheer um, pearl, very fitted gown later to go talk to the king, she mm-hmm. just looks incredible. Yeah. Like, I don't know who dressed her for this, but I spent that whole scene looking at the detailing of the dress and forgot what was going on in the scene. I know that he was like, yeah, he was like, yeah, you don't have to love my son. What's there to love about him? Also, very sad for Henry. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. Like, she's just, I don't love your son. And? Yeah, that's not how this works. Like, I I think that that's a reasonable uh, response on his part, though, in Mm -hmm. our world we are in, where marrying for true love is not really common. It's it's pretty rare. That's why it's such a big deal when it happens. That's what makes Snow White and Prince Charming so amazing. Like, like, yeah. Yeah, if I've learned anything from Bridgerton, it's that love matches are coveted and rare. And that's why it's so impressive that every single one of the Bridgerton kids gets one. Yes. All eight. Um, Spoilers, they all get love matches. It's a romance novel. They had to. I'm going to have to check them out at some point. Um, (laughs) It's so vanilla. You're going to be bored. (laughs) I'll be bored. Never mind. I like them them for their, like, creative retellings of, like, old story uh, formats. Like, there's one that's, like, obviously Cinderella. But it's really done. I like the way that Julia Quinn writes. I enjoy her. Yeah, I liked, um, I'm, I'm actually working on the um, Expanse series right now. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm more focused on that. I just watched the whole show. Uh, speaking of shows with great outfits, uh, everything Christian Abersavala wears on the Expanse <laughs> is fucking stunning. Yeah. Uh, do we have anything else to say about the Miller's daughter? Everyone looked amazing. Everyone looked great. Rumple had a great coat. The, the acting, this was an episode where the acting and the costuming over, overcame some of the rocky moments in the plot. Yeah. And the editing in the episode was really great. We, mm-hmm. we moved quickly. I never felt like anything that was happening on screen was wasted time, even when it was less interesting. With the exception of that first scene we talked about, where why is Ava here? Yeah. That didn't need to be there. It didn't need to be the same it didn't need to be here. But otherwise, I would say this is this is one of the this is one of those episodes that I would recommend to someone who'd never seen the show. Yeah, yeah, I like agree. This is, like even though they have like major plot details, this is an episode I would say if you've never seen the show at all, here's the concept, 
you don't have to know anything about these characters because everything is telegraphed so well mm-hmm. that it's fascinating. This is a nearly perfect episode. Nearly. nearly. And what is it that takes points away for you? Because I... The, the Rocky moments in the plot at the beginning of the episode. Okay. So what are we rating? Are we rating? Are we at rating? Um, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what are we using as our metric today? Um, I'm going to give this episode four girl bosses out of five. Okay. I am also going to give this episode four girl bosses out of five, specifically deducting a point for the squicky scenes. (laughs) Yes. The squicky scenes ruined the whole episode for me. And by ruined, it's still a four out of five. I, I memory hold them immediately. See, I didn't yeah. even mention. Them. I was I was I was keeping them at the forefront so I didn't forget them because otherwise this episode would have been a solid five, and you could have done. I feel like you could have done the love plot between Cora and Rumple without getting gross. Yes, I don't think they had to. They don't. They didn't have to be touching each other. It and didn't it, feel like love to me. It felt lust. I will say in a show where the sexuality we see so often is very chaste having us see the only sensuality we see on screen be between villains says something to your audience and i don't like what it's saying no about me as a slut um (laughs) i'm a villain for completely different reasons you're villain coded yeah i'm villain coded (laughs) i am i am yet another queer coded villain and i'm okay with it um, anywho, I'm I'm uh, Bambi's mom coded. <laughs> it's like I'm just there to make people cry with my inevitable demise. Oh no! No, why did that come out of my mouth? <laughs> You're selling yourself short. No, I I am very sweet, and if something bad were to happen to me, people would be in an uproar. That's anywho, it. That's so it. yeah, four out of five because it was too squicky. Otherwise, perfect episode. Yeah. Well, since we're winding down, uh, I just wanted to like a quick plug for our audience. Um, we are we're stopped, the show ends after this, so if you don't want to hear advertising, that's fine. But I launched a bookstore this year called The Weary Wanderer, and so if you would like to check out and support this show, uh, the money that I make from my shop, I do put right back into like podcasting <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, it's called Mads the Weary is Wanderer. our supporter. <laughs> <laughs> Mads am- is our sponsor. <laughs> yes. Uh, this show is sponsored by The Weary Wanderer. Uh, if you're interested in reading books from an independent queer bookshop, then check us out at thewearywanderer.com. By the time you listen to this episode, uh, we'll have launched our summer reading uh, program. We're going to be doing summer memories reading the books that we read as children to reconnect with reading so if you're someone who wants to read and you're like i've been wanting to do that for a while but you don't know where to start or if you're like an adult who wants to reconnect with their youth check us out wearywanderer.com this summer um in june we will be reading the animorphs which are really simple, really great books. Uh, I have two friends who have told about this already, and they've made a Yerk Pilt Control Cells Discord chat where we're sending Animorphs memes uh, back. Second off, I'm actually going to be reading a book I never read as a child, but one of my dearest friends loved and read as a child. So for July, we'll be reading Anne McCaffrey's uh, Dragon Riders of Pern series. We'll be reading the first book in that. I think it's Dragonflight. Mm-hmm. And then for August, we'll be reading A Wrinkle in Time. 
So. Man, whoever that friend is has great taste in dragon literature. That would be Elaine. <laughs> um, Sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah, so we're gonna, that's that's going to be uh, what we'll be reading this summer. So if you're interested in that, check us out online. You can click and join the Discord for The Weary Wonder. I'm also going to be launching a Discord for Storybroke miserably ever after very soon so keep an eye out for that so you can touch base with us and connect with us um, because I realize that the feedback from y'all is what keeps us excited to record and upload new episodes and but, I can only badger mad so many times yeah like <laughs> shout out to the combined powers of Elaine and Corey for getting us back on track and uh, Codex Melcher putting out an episode and me saying look I really want to watch this and I know how much it took for them to get this out. So if they can do it, I can do it. So I'm not watching it until I get our episode out. And I yeah. got our episode out. Yeah. Yay. And with that, this has been Story Broke. Miserably Ever After. This has been Story Broke. Miserably Ever After, a Your Pretty Friend production. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review us almost anywhere fine podcasts are downloaded. You can also follow us on Twitter at StoryBrokePod. This episode has been made possible thanks to the love and support of our spouses and listeners like you. Thank you.